the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us this uh, Sunday evening. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about something that uh, we, we need to talk about and we don't talk about enough, and that is good news. The good news here for Ohio and the fact that after COVID for the year 2020 and 2021, uh, in 2022, we actually have a summer that we can enjoy. Uh, we should enjoy and make every effort to enjoy. With us tonight is State Representative Tom Patton, who's going to be telling us about the good things here going on in Ohio. Tom, thank you for joining us. Good evening, Nick. Thanks. I appreciate it. As I mentioned, um, uh, we didn't get 2020. We didn't get 2021. Uh, what's what's there to do in Ohio here for 2022? It seems like uh, everything is uh, finally back open. You know, uh, um, the 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 unemployment uh, issue um, should be pretty much dissolved because, truthfully, anybody that wants to have a job, there's jobs out there. I biggest concern I have received is that from so many employers, they can't find whether you know good paying truck driver jobs, nurses. Um, are still at a shortage. Um, so we have, uh, it, it's always better to have more people looking to hire people than people looking for jobs. And so the job market is strong. Uh, the housing market, um, which seemed like it was getting a little bit out of control, seems to have tamped down a little bit uh, because of the fact that there, um, uh, a lot of the folks you know, have been looking to, to buy a house, but during COVID and things like that, who wanted to open up their house and uh, go into a stranger's house and who wanted to have people in the house. But again, that's, you've got realtors showing houses, you've got prospective buyers pulling up at open houses. So it's, it's really as back to normal as possible. And I don't mean to dismiss the fact that there still aren't some reported COVID cases. Uh, and, you know, and I think, that this might be something like the flu that's going to come back seasonally, maybe in like in the time of the year where a lot of the viruses do the so-called flu season. But uh, um, I think we've learned as Americans, especially as Ohioans, that we're we're living with. Um, I think people still wash their hands a lot. I think people, you know, people are going back to the churches and people are going to weddings and people are celebrating. And so, you know, that's all very very good. And I think we're um, a resilient people. Ohioans, uh, I've always taken the position is the fact that uh, we could take a licking and keep on kicking, so to speak. And oh, there you it's, go. Uh, yeah. And, and so, and economically, now, when we take a look at the state's finances, where some other states have suffered and uh, uh, have had a lot of issues, Ohio's revenues. Um, have been up until the month of May have been well above 
what the Office of Budget Management, OBM, uh, have they have to set out for our budget purposes projections. And we've gone far beyond our projections. Uh, in May, we hit the projections, but we just didn't have the month that went, you know, significantly above. But it's still, we still had an awful lot of, uh, you know, revenue on hand. And that helped us with a record. We just performed a record $3.5 billion with the B dollar capital budget. And included in that is a lot of road money, a lot of uh, infrastructure, uh, which would include replacing a lot of old pipes, that uh, things like that, um, and a lot of other really good programs, money for higher ed, money for schools, uh, money for training programs for individuals. Um, one of the things that given you know, the recent uh, shootings uh, that I thought was important is we put $100 million aside just for school safety programs to really reinforce safety at the schools. And that was an additional money we previously set aside for that. So that was just an additional chunk of money. And uh, so right now, you know, the state is, uh, is, is moving along at a very healthy pace, and I'm proud to report that. Well, well excellent. You know, as we're, we're talking about COVID, it seems like we are very quickly learning how to live with COVID, with uh, the vaccinations and the rates and the uh, variations to the virus that are coming out. Uh, but it, it just seems like here for 2022, uh, people are going to be out and about uh, celebrating life, celebrating family, and, and, and so on. Uh, vacationing in Ohio because of the gas prices might be the thing uh, that people don't want to or can't afford to go traveling far away, but find things here in Ohio. Uh, how are all of our, our parks and uh, recreation and, and roads, everything ready for this summer? Where we're going to have all these Ohio residents uh, probably moving around the state, enjoying themselves. You, yeah, you've heard the term staycation. And just in our uh, listening area, just in northeast Ohio, uh, the privilege of having the, uh, the Metro Park system uh, and all that they uh, provide. I mean, you can spend several weekends going to several di- different aspects of our metro parks, and uh, and and see and see going to several different places. And you mentioned the price of gasoline. And on my way to Columbus this week, uh, I paid five dollars and eleven cents a gallon. And I can recall uh, a year and a half ago thinking, well, you know, it, when the gas was two nineteen. From 2019, I think it's oh, it went up a dime. You know, doesn't a 219 would look awful good right now? I was at the gas pump and uh, looking at a lady across from me, and after she had done was finished pumping her gas and replacing the hose, and you know, clearly she was just staring at the numbers. And I just said, kind of makes you want to cry. And she responded, "Oh my gosh, it certainly does." And uh, uh, this has a huge impact, especially on people who have to drive back and forth, from, you know, further distance to work. You know, if they work in a mm-hmm. suburb or drive to downtown Cleveland, et cetera, or so on, and it might be one or two tanks of gas a week, you know, instead of paying, you know, 45 or dollars or so, you know, for, per week, now they're paying 100 120 And I've, I've read truck trucking companies. One guy delivers locally in the area, three trucks. 
and he pulled his one truck in and cost him $1,368. The three trucks combined cost him over uh, um, you know, $5,000 in gasoline for the week, and he's considering shutting his business down because he's he paying that kind of gasoline, paying for the drivers, which are increasingly difficult to find. And so on a national scope, you know, when you take a look at our nation, you know, suffering from these inflationary uh, challenges, including the cost of gas, the cost of food, the cost of lumber, home home start, you know, the, thing, the one builder told me this piece of wood I got for $2 and I have to pay $10 for it. You know, and I sold the house on a, on a, on a deal expecting it was going to call me X, cost me X to build the house, and now it's X times. And so you go back to the buyer and they say, well, we got a contract. And I don't, and I respect the fact that the buyer's got a contract, you know, that he may have signed knowing that they're going to start in the spring as compared to start building in late October or November in the cold months. So they sign a contract and suddenly, I, and there's no good answer for it. Each side of that contract has a good argument. You know, hey, wait a minute, we signed this contract and suddenly all my materials are, you know, 80% more. And the guy says, yeah, but I could have bought something else in November, but I chose to let you build me a house. And, you know, that's why I, I wouldn't want to be a judge <laughs> trying to decide who's Oh, yeah. The, wrong. The, the, you know. the laws are going to be harsh uh, on contracts and catching up with the economy and, and making an equalization of the law and the contracts versus what the realities are concerning supply chain labor and that kind of thing. Some good news, and trying to stick with some good news here tonight, uh, is that I heard the IRS is raising its reimbursement rate in the middle of the year here by four cents per mile, which is, is something which uh, the IRS, I understand, hasn't done in, in many years. But that should give some relief as far as allowing people to do their jobs and get reimbursed by their employers with a higher rate. Uh, also, I heard a thing concerning of first responders' equipment, like ambulances and so on, municipal ambulances. But they have to be kept running when they're out about, so when they're at a scene, they don't shut the ambulance down out of concern that they might not be able to restart it. So uh, the fact that it looks like there's wasted fuel, uh, there's some good reasons why some of these things have to be done. But again, you know, 2022, we're looking forward to uh, having... Uh, at least a, a way to be out and enjoy things because we do have our most important valuable thing and that's our health for the most part. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we're talking to State Representative Tom Patton about the good things in Ohio for the summer of 2022. We're going to be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. I'm Nick Phillips with you, talking to State Representative Tom Patton. And uh, tonight we're trying to talk about the good things going on here in Ohio for the summer so that we can all go out and enjoy ourselves like we haven't enjoyed ourselves since 2019 uh, and experiencing the loss of two years, two summers just gone. Uh, so, uh, Tom, thank you for joining us, as always. It's a pleasure to be with you this evening, and I... Uh, uh, in between the break, I was thinking about the fact that hopefully 
crowds at the ball games uh, and outdoor concerts. We have such a, uh, uh, a plethora of, of, of things to do. Um, as I mentioned, we know we have Blossom, which is a great venue. I had a friend that uh, uh, was at the Kenny Chesney concert earlier this week, and the uh, uh, place was packed. And, uh, and so it's, you know, young younger you know, people get a chance to go out and to the different, you know, not just Blossom, other venues, maybe not as big, but, uh, and then, you know, baseball fans are getting good, getting to go down and watch the Cleveland baseball team, um, which is surprisingly over 500 uh, as of a couple of days ago. And so, um, and it's a good young team. So that's exciting. But, you know, we have seen a point that people travel from states away to go to we have uh, uh king's island a little further down south but you know we have so many lakes atwood lake and you know Pimatumi, mosquito lake around here and uh, for folks that like to have water activities whether it be water ski but most importantly is we have for the boat for the water perspective we have um walleye fishing which we have big walleye fishing tournaments that it's it's incredible how much that brings into the Ohio economy. That people travel from many states away because the walleye fishing in Lake Erie is so pronounced and is so um, well thought of. You know, as a very young man, as a very young child, I would go with my grandfather who had a boat down at Lake Erie, and we went fishing for perch. I mean, you might catch this occasional sheephead. The walleye hadn't even been introduced yet. But whosever idea it was to stock, you know, Lake Erie with walleye uh, had a keen vision, you know. And on the subject of Lake Erie, it's important to note that we have passed an H2 Ohio bill. Uh, we realize that Ohio is one of the great natural resources. Uh, Lake Erie in Ohio is one of our greatest natural resources. Uh, we actually found a few years ago we signed this Lake Erie Compact with all the states that surround uh, or have the, you know, the Great Lakes in their territory, as well as two provinces in Canada. And that's to promote the, the idea that we will not sell any of the precious water that we have in the lake. Because those folks out west in Arizona and other western states, you know, water is a key ingredient. And, you know, as you might recall, Nick, uh, we recently signed that deal with Intel. And uh, one of the things that Intel talked about was water. And, uh, of course, they also talked about renewable energy and things like that as well as part of their decision-making. But I think that Intel might be um, the breaking point where suddenly people begin to look at Ohio from the standpoint of expansion. Intel's bringing 30,000 jobs. And And then the companies that will then supply and spin off from Intel uh, will be also significant. You know, we need to protect Lake Erie and the health of Lake Erie. We need to find these uh, uh, these nasty little blooms that suddenly occur, especially in the Toledo area. We've got to find the source of uh, uh, of that and what's causing that and continue to be good stewards of this great natural resources. But uh, as I say, outdoors-wise, you know, you see people going for walks, and if you want to hike, and if you want to uh, take advantage of the hiking trails throughout Ohio, but as I said, if you don't want to use a lot of gas, 
you know, everybody is close to some part of the Metro Parks. That's one of the beautiful things about the Emerald Necklace. And a uh, shout-out to Brian Zimmerman and his team over at the Metro Parks. They have done a remarkable job. I helped do some legislation years ago to put the Metro Parks in charge of our lakefront, lakefront parks, like Edgewater and Gordon and all the parks that go along the lakes. Because prior to that, uh, when Governor Voinovich became governor, knowing Cleveland was having some financial difficulty, he shifted the burden to take care of those parks to the state. And at that time, the state was having trouble keeping up with some of their state parks. So candidly, they weren't looking so good. But if anybody hasn't been down to any of our state front, our state, or excuse me, our uh, our local Edgewater parks and Gordon parks, you'll see the 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 differences more than noticeable. They're pristine. They just do a remarkable job. And again, for people concerned about maybe the gas prices, not spend a lot of money on gas. Those are great opportunities to escape you know, right along the shoreline of the lake and enjoy, again, one of the uh, best natural resources right. around. Right. Well, I, I tell you, you mentioned Lake Erie, and uh, we had, had a unique uh, experience this past week where we uh, spent some time with some friends who were visiting from France. And there's nothing like seeing Ohio through the eyes of a visitor to hear what they have to say and what their impressions are of uh, Ohio here and Northeast Ohio specifically, the uh, the matter of Lake Erie to foreigners is amazing. They, they're they amazed at the size of Lake Erie. They're amazed that you can be standing on the shore and you don't see the other shore. Uh, they're accustomed right. to lakes being able to see something over the mountains or the other shore. But um, I was from France just uh, loved what was going on here in Ohio and what it looks like, the rolling hills, the lush green trees, so forth, and the lake. So uh, I think uh, this year we have, you mentioned earlier, hygiene, washing hands, things we've learned during the last two years. With uh, learning those things of uh, staying clean, I think overall people have been generally healthier than they have in the past. And that, again, makes it a lot more uh, available for us to go out and have a good time this summer. But, uh, you know, Lake Erie and Cedar Point and the uh, baseball games and the parks, they're all here for everybody to enjoy. Let's hope they all do it. Yeah, you know, and on the subject of restaurants, and uh, I think the biggest challenge for the restaurants uh, right now is getting staff, you know, and um, again, once again, those are job opportunities for folks, but at some of the better restaurants, uh, that I'm told that, you know, these um, servers, you know, the uh, the waiters and waitresses, you know, are pulling down $400 a night in tips. Um, I mean, they're covering more tables because they're hustling around a little bit. And I think everybody that goes to a restaurant these days, the end, if they understand, and hopefully they will, that with the shortage of there's not as many people in the kitchen, there's not as many servers, you know, and uh, sometimes you go to a restaurant and not all the tables are full and you're waiting for a table, but they're smart enough that they're going to sit somebody down just so they have to wait seven minutes before somebody even brings them a menu. So um, they'll fill up two-thirds of their tables. Uh, I guess our comeback as far as people wanting to go out 
is run a little bit ahead of some of the people that are willing to go back and work in that kind of a job. And it, it, this, we can never give a, a, enough of a shout out to during the very early months of uh, of this COVID back uh, in in late 2019, 2020. As you said, the two years that we kind of missed out. Um, those folks that had to go to work, you know, the folks that worked at grocery stores, obviously the nurses and the docs and, you know, people that worked in what uh, the governor called the uh, the um, mandatory kind of jobs that jobs that were um, and, and integral to being able to function as a society. Right. And that was before the masks were as available. That was before the shields. You now still see at the stores some of these glass uh, plus plexiglass uh, partitions between the clerks and the, the and the shoppers, but um, you know, so many people that uh, their jobs, you know, were were so required, you know, and and now you, we as although we don't really think of it as much, they were truly heroes, and you know, it's it's good that um, uh, young people coming out of school now, you know, have it's not like the young kids that graduated college in 20 and 21. My gosh, they weren't even having graduation ceremonies. Uh, I came remember one of my cities. I said, why don't you use your football field? Do it outside. They still didn't want to do it. You know, I just didn't have yeah, the kids right. staying outside of the stadium. You know, the kids on one side, the mom and dad on the other. And I said, Eat. and I said, well, then don't let the grandparents come with you. Being a grandfather, that kid, but I, it, it, I that, talked that to the hurts. superintendent. He just, he wouldn't be turned. You know, we're just going to pass them out, mail them out, and uh, you know, graduation ceremony is a significant thing. We're back to those types of things. There's nothing that we're not. Well, that's that is that we, so good that so good that we are. We're uh, we're out of time, but uh, Tom Patton, state representative, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for being optimistic. I think we need a, a good shot of optimism with all the other things going on in the world. So thank lot, you for joining us. There's a lot to be excited about. Thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate it. We're going to be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, the Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the next two segments, we're going to be talking about something that faces everyone. If they're somewhat healthy and aging properly, they're going to be faced with when do they leave their home? When do they have to go into a nursing home? Uh, We know from our legal work with uh, elder people, nobody wants to go into a nursing home unnecessarily. Well, there is an alternative. And that is to have a home aide come out to your house and work with you. And with that, we're going to be talking today to uh, Roberta Woodard from Home Instead about uh, what do they do and and how you can, I guess, continue to stay in your house. Uh, And with us uh, also tonight is Kathy Lux. Kathy, thank you for joining us. And Roberta, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Roberta, tell us about Home Instead and how that works with regard to people who don't want to go into nursing homes, and at the end of the day, they don't really have to. How does that work? No. No, they don't. Um, Actually, it's it's a fairly easy process. 
Um, our caregivers go into the home and they help clients with everything from light housekeeping and meal prep, simple companionship to help stay in isolation, right through personal care, and they work alongside other healthcare partners, vendors, home health nurses, and hospice people to help seniors age in place safely at home, which is where most seniors want to be. So it's a simple matter of calling different agencies. There are several different agencies. I, I don't. I, I can only speak for home instead. But in Northeast Ohio, there are several agencies. We all work primarily the same. We're, um, we each have our own personality, so to speak. Um, but I think that every single one of them, at least I work in the Medina and Summit County areas, I know that the people we consider competitors are not actually competitors. These are people I sit on boards with for aging in place. And we all do a good job, our, and our goal is always the same, for an aging person in Ohio to stay at home as safely as possible for as long as possible. And, uh, Kathy? Yes. Um, and so, Roberta, and we don't just... Um, work for or care for seniors, right? I mean, we also care for younger people who may have disabilities, uh, such as MS or those types of things. And, um, and, and there we are needed to help them transfer sometimes from their bed to, uh, their wheelchair and their wheelchair, uh, into the bath or shower or on uh, the bedside commode and those types of things so that so that they are able to perform the normal functions um, with our assistance, right? Yes. Yes, that is true. Although I will say with home instead, that is a newer, a newer phenomenon for us. It had primarily always been aging seniors, um, but yes, since actually the pandemic, we, we realized how many people needed the the services we provided, but they weren't yet seniors. So, yes, we have opened up our scope of service to younger people. Uh, I know as a, being, I'd call it a civilian, someone being uh, not really involved in this and not needing these services, uh, to us, everyone looks like they're all a medical provider. Uh, yet there are different licensing requirements for nurses and LPAs or LPNs and, and other things. Uh, how do the um, caregivers with um, with Home Instead are, are they certified, licensed, or what? What is their background? Their backgrounds can actually—that's a great question. Their backgrounds can actually be anything. I have been hiring caregivers for our two franchises for nearly 16 years, and when I came from industry into healthcare. I thought, well, of course, certification is is important. So I only hired state-tested nursing assistants. And um, I learned very quickly that it's a very state-tested nursing assistant that is used to working in a facility is not always effective in the home. If they're um, looking for a slower pace, they are. But if they're used to that type A personality, turn and turn and turn from room to room to room, not always um, as effective in home care. What I will say is there is no licensing for home care in the state of Ohio, which is a concern. Um, it is supposedly coming. We've not yet seen the regulations on it. So our caregivers are completely background checked and screened. 
I fingerprint locally here in my office, and we, we fingerprint for both the Ohio BCII as well as FBI. Um, we have complete background checks. If anybody has ever been fingerprinted for anything, I know about it. And then the Ohio Revised Code has um, very stringent requirements of, of who I can and cannot hire. And they are they run akin to those of teachers because in the state of Ohio, what Home Instead and other agencies like us do is considered custodial care. So we need to ensure and uh, in, ensure our employees to the level where they are literally dealing with a person's most private information, their healthcare information. Oftentimes, if they're helping them with doctor's appointments, they have access to their Medicare services, those types of things. So we background check screenly, check references. We know as much about a person as I am actually legally allowed to know about an employee in the United States. So the rest of it is we train them and we put them through, I guess I should also mention that, we put them through through an entire um, two classroom style courses on aging, the aging conditions, things like heart conditions and strokes and uh, diabetes, excuse me, as well as ensuring safety within the home for both the caregiver and the client to make sure the house is not cluttered, that the egresses are in place for fire um, exits, those types of things, as well as what to do if a tornado siren goes off and you have a bedbound client. How do you keep that client safe? So we talk oh, about yeah. all of those things. And and we well, train it, them, and then mm-hmm. they have three hours of personal care training. How do you walk with somebody? How do you use an assistive device like a gate belt or a walker, a Hoyer lift? Safety issues. The bed bath. All, yeah, all of those things. So it's a pretty it, intense process, and we train every month in addition to that. In, in, in our law practice, we, we typically see a scenario developing where – we have elderly people, people who might be in their 80s or even 90s, who have been living independently on their own, and their children are in their 60s, 50s in that area. And they're now thinking, what do we do with mom or dad? They're, they're getting to that first step of asking for outside help. Um, what's the trigger, do you think, for that? What, what should people be looking for when they should first start maybe bringing in somebody as I'd, I'd call it sort of a light aid to help with an extra pair of hands, to help with the cooking and maybe cleaning and that kind of thing. What, what's the first step on that? And when do you catch um, that? I recent, I was recently, my, my mother is 84 and she lives 300 miles away from me. So when I got to finally see her this year, when things lightened up, she's got some challenges that kept me away working in healthcare. Um, I noticed that um, my mom's house wasn't clean like it used to be. And I'm not saying that it was filthy, but things that my mother could no longer do, she couldn't get down and dust her baseboards, which my mother has done her entire life once a week. There were cobwebs in her windows, um, things like that that I noticed. And I finally, it, it prompted me to finally say, Mom, do you feel comfortable still taking care of the house? At which point she laughed and she said, well, if I could find someone to wash my windows and clean my baseboards, so she knows what her her limits are. She's just not ready for that. So we made a deal that I would go home once a month and clean my mother's baseboards and windowsills out, um, which is not always capable for somebody. Um, 
mom lives alone. My father passed away 12 years ago, so she's not comfortable with a stranger a stranger in her home, even if it's a home instead person. So there are ways to do that. Um, my mom is very active in her church. So I know that they have a group of people who will come and do anything I might need them to do. But again, mom doesn't want to ask for help. So we do the best we can. And we often, 10 years ago, I got those phone calls for my mother. Um, Today, we don't get them that early because they simply won't have it. The seniors of today are the, that end of the greatest generation and the beginning of the baby boomers who are in that 80s to 90s range, and they are not willing to have help until they absolutely need it. They are, they still feel at 80 or 90, young and vibrant, and they talk. I have a, a caregiver who is 80s. And she talks to me about working with the old people. And some of her clients are younger than her. Um, so it is a matter <laughs> of, it's the truth that they, they amaze me every day. So it's a matter of starting those conversations. And it's important to ask well, that, what that, that is true. Well, let's hold that yeah. thought. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Roberta Woodard from Home Instead. And uh, Kathy Lux and I will be back after these words. Don't go away. You're listening to The Advocate. You're listening to Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux. We'll be back after these words, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. We're talking to Roberta Woodard from Home Instead, uh, talking about aging in place and when is the time to get the services in. And I know Kathy Lux, our co-host. Uh, Kathy, you, you work in this area. Tell us uh, about that. What, what is it like when you first meet people and maybe they're a little leery about some stranger coming into their house? How does that work? They they are, um, and so uh, one of the most important things as a caregiver uh, that we try to accomplish is to gain their their confidence, uh, their trust, and develop a, a, a relationship with them. Um, and very often it turns into quite a, a, a lovely bond as they get to know us. Um, so that's, I think, the first step and puts them at ease. Uh, it takes, it takes a, little, a little time sometimes. Um, but I think it, it also is important um, that caregivers have certain abilities in terms of their, their, personal, uh, their personality traits. Um, and, Roberta, maybe you could speak to what you, are, what you look for in, in or what you find is the the most successful uh, trait that these caregivers or traits can have. Uh, yeah, I can actually. I love what you said about gaining confidence um, and building relationships and trust because truly that's the key. So I look for people. They don't necessarily have to be outgoing, extroverts and introverts. It it doesn't matter. What I cannot teach somebody, in all honesty, is heart. So I, I look for people who are kind, compassionate, loyal. Um, people who, when, when we ask an interview question, you know, we ask them about, tell us about a time when you stayed at a job too long. 
And what that tells me is if they stayed somewhere, um, I have a dear friend who is a, a, a nurse actually at a long-term care facility. She should have left that facility five years earlier than she did, but she couldn't leave the residence. She just didn't have that. Those are the kind of people that make great caregivers because, again, you do want to have that bond. I, I, I think our families that we serve feel best when they know that caregivers are in the home with a client and that client is telling the caregiver all the things they're afraid to tell their son or their daughter because they don't want their son or daughter to feel responsible for them or they don't want to be a burden. So we do look for people who have those innate character traits that are kind, compassionate, able to, to build a relationship and make an important connection. And then I can teach them everything else they need to know. And I can mm -hmm. practice with them and practice with them until they're comfortable with the physical aspects of the job, which are often awkward because of the personal care involved when you must toilet somebody or you need to help somebody with a shower. Those things become awkward. So if they're the right person, we can teach them how to do that with grace and dignity, keeping the senior as happy as they can be in the stage of life they're in. So that's a very long you know, as you, kind compassion. Oh, go ahead, Kathy. Awesome. No, it's all right, Nick. Go ahead. Yeah, listening to this is, is fascinating because I think that eventually uh, if people remain healthy and age in a healthy style, uh, sooner or later they're going to need someone. And I think from what I picture happening is that the senior themselves uh, generally play the secondary role in, in hiring a healthcare person and that their adult uh, son or daughter is going to be the person who dominates the discussions with, say, a, a company like Home Instead. Um, when that happens, I'm assuming that's probably what happens, that there's these discussions and concerns of these adult children. What's sort of like the number one and two concerns that uh, these adult children have when they're going to be bringing uh, a health aid into the house with their parent, uh, are there some typical things you hear about that you have to answer? Oh yeah, um, will they? It's 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 amazing. I, I we just did a, a care consult, um, and of course I asked. It's a 91 and a 94 year old couple, and their daughter had been here in Ohio from Florida for, I don't know, five or six weeks because they needed the care. And finally, they she needed to go home and they had to put something in place. So when I asked the couple what was, it was amazing because usually we think their desires are opposites. But I asked the couple, what is your goal? And, and they said to be together. They had just celebrated their 70th anniversary. Wow. Be together. Congratulations to on that. And I Exactly. And I turned to the daughter and I said, now, what's your goal? And she said, exactly mm -hmm. that, but I want them safe. And if they won't let someone in, I can't go home because they're not capable of living in this house alone without someone a few times a week. And, and we're only there 20 hours a week, but it's enough that the daughter could go home. There's someone to drive them to their doctor's appointments, make sure they're getting a healthy meal several days a week. So really it is that one thing that they all want the same goal, which is to be at home, but the children want them home safely. And we often find ourselves reminding our clients, the seniors, that 
you've always been there for your kids. You, you raised them. You probably helped them when they had children and their children were small. This is now their chance to help you. And, and they just want you to be safe. They want to take care of you the way you've always taken care of them. 90% of the time, that conversation works. Sometimes it, it's not, it, it, you know, there are just some people who will not allow that to happen. And then, unfortunately, then doctors and the, peop, uh, the, the um, area agencies on aging in the community have to get involved. So, well, Let me ask this, Roberta. Is there, there one thing everyone should know when they're, they have aging loved ones that are obviously going through the life process and, and they're developing these needs? What do they need to know? Is there one thing? They, they need to know where to go when the time comes because they're afraid to have those conversations early. So if they were prepared to talk to their veteran services um, in the community, if their loved one or their loved or their, let's say it's a mother, the father was a veteran, there are veteran services out there. There are area agencies on aging in every county in the state of Ohio. So if people knew to go there, if they knew that there was such a thing as an independent social worker who can look at your situation, look at the medical history, and then make a recommendation and help develop a care plan, um, just knowing up front where to go. And if people have questions, Nick, they are more than welcome. They can reach out to my office. I can text you that um, information and I can give them all of these phone numbers or we have a, a simple little list of 20 questions you should ask anybody you're thinking about allowing into your home. It's not about it's not about home instead or our business. It's for us we have always been I love the title of your show. We've always been advocates for our clients. We encourage our caregivers to be advocates for our clients. So I want our clients and their families to know that their loved one's safety is our biggest concern. So I really just and, where to go when the time comes. Have a plan. And Roberta, oh, if I if I can jump in, Kathy, this, go ahead. Um, sure. Well. Um, so this industry, like or, or business, is like many others right now with staffing problems. And I know I came into this. Um, I had retired early to take care of my parents. And um, so this is, a, for me, kind of a post-retirement job. And and it is uh, so rewarding. Um, and I wonder if um, enough people out there realize that this could be a wonderful, great fit for them as well um, for a, a after-retirement type of job. It, it, we have... Uh, people on staff that are students and young, um, all the way up to, as you said, an 80-year-old. And um, so, you know, if you want to speak to the staffing issues a little bit, um, I think a lot of people out there don't realize they could do this and how rewarding it is. Well, actually, we're sort of out of time, but we have to have Roberta back again because I have a lot of other questions to talk about. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I think 
For now, we're going to have to end our show, but thank you, Roberta, so much for joining us. It's such a, an important thing that you do, and we're, we're grateful you guys are out there doing it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was, it was fun, and I'd be happy to come back whenever you'd like. I think we're going to have to. We have a lot of questions. So thank you, Roberta, and thank you all for listening tonight. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great, healthy, and safe week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset, sat and drank my fresh mint tea, with nothing to do until morning, and only my mind for company. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.